Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you for the Word of God. We thank you that the Word of God is liberating. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So we thank you that we are going to be set free this morning in our minds. We will not be chained to the doctrines of men. We will not be chained to the philosophies of this world, but we'll be transformed through the renewing of our minds. So we receive that now by faith in Jesus Christ, our King. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. So as you guys know, we are on a series, we're on a journey entitled Gospel to Women. The good news to women. The gospel is always good news, and this is good news to women. We're focusing on what Jesus has done for the females in this world, right? And, and let me tell you that we are the body of Christ, and when one part of the body of Christ is, is hindered, we are all hindered, right? So as, as we see the gospel liberate women, liberate w- women into the destiny that God is calling them into, unhindered by Systems set up through the world, systems set up through religion, systems set up through fearful men, we will see the whole body strengthen and accomplish so much more. And I believe with all my heart that in these, in the, in these, these coming, in this great awakening, the third great awakening that we are in, I believe that women are going to play a, a major, major role in, into that. And you women need to start listening to God and what He is calling you to do. Right? Amen. So today's the day. You know, we, we've been building on, on this. We've been showing you what Jesus thought of women. We, we showed you what uh, the Greek philosophers thought of women. We showed you what the rabbis thought of, of women. We showed you what the apostles thought about women, especially in ministry and all that thing, and, and, and did they embrace Jesus' view, or did they conform back to the old system? And as we've seen, that they embraced Jesus' system, and, and they ushered women in. They, they had prayer meetings together. The very first pre- prayer meeting after Jesus rose from the dead, women and men together corporately praying unto God. That had never happened before. That's awesome. That's awesome. But as we're going through this, there are doctrines of men and there's, and there's scriptures that should be popping up in your head. And we're going to tackle one of those scriptures today. Next week we're going to tackle another one. But right now I just want you to imagine. I want you to imagine a church where half of the body of Christ is silent. Man, it's kind of silent. Because if you take... What Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 as a command, then that's the way it should be. It says, the scripture says, let your women keep silent in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, Let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. 
man, when you hear that scripture after everything that we went through leading up to this, it's like, what? It's like, that's not in the, that shouldn't, that shouldn't be in the Bible. Right? But so, so if this is a command from the Apostle Paul, as so many have taught that it is, then women should not sing. Women should not read scriptures. They should not participate in public prayer. Truthfully, to be completely obedient, they shouldn't even greet their friends or turn to their neighbor and say hello. Right? When I ask for an amen, they should remain mute. It's interesting that those that teach that a woman must remain silent in church still not, do not truly follow their own teaching. I love how we bend our rules. This is one of those scriptures that have, has been pulled out of context and has just been taken at face value. You know, you can make scripture say anything you want. You can turn to a scripture that says that Judas went out and hung himself. And then you can turn over to another scripture where Jesus says, go and do likewise. So you've got to get the context and the understanding behind the scriptures, especially if you're going to build a doctrine off it. Remember the Athenians, the Greeks we talked about? They were the first to say women should remain silent. So, 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 focus, S-O-P-H-O-C-L-E-S, he was a playwright, he said, silence is a woman's glory. The Greeks liked their women silent, and so did the Jewish rabbis and sages. But did Paul and the first apostles? Let's look at some scriptures that say otherwise. In Acts chapter 1, verse 14, it says, These all continued one accord in prayer and supplication with the women. They put that with the women in there because they wanted you to know that the women were in continual prayer and supplication with them. And, the Mar and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. In Acts chapter 2, verse 4, and it says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Does all mean all, or is this really saying the men were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with tongues? All means all. In Acts chapter 2, verse 17, And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. How can you prophesy if you must remain silent? Good question. Your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams, and on my men's servants and my maid servants I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. In Acts chapter 4, verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. All means all. Right? And they spoke the word of God with boldness. If women are to remain silent, how can they speak the word of God with boldness? In Acts 21 verse 9, it says, Now this man had four virgin daughters who prophesied 
Okay. In, in Romans chapter 12, verse 6, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. See, it's a grace given to us, not because, by God, by His choice, not by your gender. It says, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. In Romans chapter 16, verse 1, he says, I command to you, Phoebe, we're going to talk about her more next week, our sister who is a servant of the church of Caesarea. Do you know what that word servant is translated in in other places? Minister. In Romans chapter 16, verse 3, greet Priscilla and Aquila and my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. They were fellow workers alongside Paul. If they're working alongside Paul, what are they doing? They're preaching the gospel. In Romans chapter 16, verse 6, greet Mary who labored much for us. In Romans chapter 16, verse 12, greet Tryphena and Tryphena. Bosa, who have labored in the Lord. Greet the beloved Perses, who labored much for the Lord. These are all women that labored for the Lord, preaching the gospel, preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, it says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. If we have half of the church silent, we're not all profiting, are we? And 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11. But one in the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. Again, the gifts of the Spirit are determined by God. They are not determined by men. And they're not determined by our rules. And they're not determined by your gender. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. Again, if we are all the body of Christ, this is not just talking to men, right? These scriptures aren't just written to men, they're written to everyone, right? So if they're written to everyone, we are all the body of Christ. What would happen if half of your body was paralyzed? It wouldn't be good. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 5, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks in tongues, unless he indeed he interprets, that the church may receive edification. All means all, right? I wish that you all spoke. And there's probably things you're questioning about in this, but good news, we've got a series coming up. We're going to tackle all this, so we'll answer what that scripture is all about in a couple weeks. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14 through 26. How is it then, brethren? Now, what does the word brethren mean? It doesn't mean bro brother. Brethren means believers. All believers. When someone says brethren, we're talking about everyone. All those that are believers in Jesus Christ. How is it then, brethren? Whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all these things be done unto edification, for edification. Right? So, who's all believers are come together, and we're supposed to have a song, a psalm. We're supposed to have teachings. We're supposed to have tongues. We're supposed to have interpretations. We're supposed to have revelation. Right? And it's done decently and in order. 
In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 27, if anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or the, the most three, each in turn, and let one interpret. It doesn't say if a man speaks in tongue, right? Is this scripture just written to men? No, right? See, Pastor Tom thought he read a lot of scriptures last week. Right? Here, yeah, I got the second half, right? So in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 29, let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. Again, this is not talking just to men. This is talking to the body of Christ. This is talking to the church. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 31, for you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. Right? Again, these are things we'll get into in our next series. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 39, Therefore, brethren, all believers, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak in, with tongues. Again, this is everybody. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. If you are in Christ, is this just talking to me? We all are in Christ. We've all become new creations. We've all been joined to Him. We are all one spirit with Him. Right? And we're part of His body. Right? In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, is He only writing this? Is Hebrews only written to men? No. So women should be teachers. You need someone else to teach you again. The first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need a milk and not solid food. And what I'm trying to point out here is that we're all called to be teachers of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. In 1 Peter 2, 9, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. So he's saying that women and men are in the priesthood. A holy nation. We are king, kingly priests and queenly priests. His own special people. Why? So that you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. How can women proclaim his, his, the praises of Him if they must remain silent? In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, As each, of, each one has received a gift, minister it to one another. So we're supposed to be ministering to one another. So that sounds like it's in the body of Christ. As good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And if anyone speaks, anyone speaks, let him speak the oracles of God. Right? If, if anyone ministers, let him do it with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So we have all these scriptures that say that women can speak, they can teach, they can prophesy, they can speak in tongues, they can minister. And it says all, all, men, women, all included. Greeks, Jews, male, female, it doesn't matter your color, your race, your age, right? Right? Us older saints... You don't have an old Holy Spirit in you. And our younger saints don't have a baby Holy Spirit in them. Holy Spirit is Holy Spirit. And when a prophecy or a word is given from anyone that is filled with the Holy Spirit, you don't see the person in the flesh. 
You hear through the Spirit. Right? And you judge what is being said if it's from God or not, according to Scripture, according to who Jesus Christ has revealed God to be. And, you, and it doesn't matter where it comes from. Balaam got it from a jackass. Right? The donkey talked to Balaam, and, and it was for his own good. Correct? Amen, Chad. Yep. So we have all these scriptures. We just went through a bunch of them. There's probably more we could find. And we have one scripture. One scripture that suggests that men can speak, but women can't. Man, that should make us start thinking a little bit, shouldn't it? Don't you think that we should, it should cause us to at least pause and at least question our interpretation of the one scripture? All these scriptures that we just read is exhorting all men and all women to speak up and participate fully in the corporate life of the church. And Paul rang that bell more than anyone. So why did he suddenly change his tune and tell the women of Corinth to remain silent? It's because he didn't. If you read his words in context, you will find no such thing. But before we look at the context, let's look at the Scripture in question. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 34, it says, Let your women keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but they are to be, in, be submissive, as the law also says. And if they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. So what's going on? Why are the Corinth women told to remain silent in the church and raise any questions they have to their husbands at home? One misguided interpretation says this. They say that the Corinth women were uneducated and uncouth. That they, that they, were, they, were, they were interrupting the sermons, right? with outbursts and shouting and questions. How, how do you get, where do you get, you're just making that up. How do they know that that's what they were doing? It doesn't say that in Scripture. It doesn't say, say because they're doing this, right? Others say that this is an apost apostolic command from Paul. That Paul was given a command to the churches. Women must remain silent as the law says. Here's the problem, and it's a big problem. There's no such law in Scripture. There's no law that says women must remain silent in church in the Old Testament or in the New Testament. And even if there was a law, don't you think it's kind of odd that the Apostle of Grace would all of a sudden say, keep this law? Right? Can you hear Paul saying, you are not under the law, but under grace? Well, accept the law that says women must remain silent. This makes no sense, does it? See, this is one of those scriptures where context makes everything clear. Fail to get the context, and all you're left is with the con. Understand there are two types of women. We must understand that there's two types of women in the Corinthian church. There were Greek women, 
and there were Jewish women, right? And there were Greek men, and there were Jewish men. And thanks to Aristotle, Greek women were forbidden by civic law from speaking in public assemblies. So this is the law that is being referred to. So it was the Greek authorities, not Paul, who said women must remain silent. But you also had the Jews also making up the church in Corinth, which had a rabbi teaching, which was later given in their Talmud, which said, it is a shame for a woman to let her voice be heard among men. So, so who were the ones that said women must remain silent? It was the Jews and the Greeks. But Paul never said it. They were, they were asking Paul if they should follow the philosophies of men when it came to women in the congregation. For the Corinthians were good at asking questions. Paul used most of the, the, the first letter to the Corinthians answering the questions. Actually, a lot of the letters that Paul wrote were actually replies to questions that were rising up within the church and was written to him first. Here, here's just some illustrations. In 1 Corinthians 7.1 Now concerning the things which you wrote to me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. So they were writing writing to Paul, asking them about relationships between men and women, and Paul was responding to their question. In 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, now concerning things offered to idols, right? They asked him a question about idols. And it goes on, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffed up by love edifies. So again, I'm not going to go into what he's t- talking about there. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 12, Now concerning your brother Apollos, I strongly urge him to come to you with the, with the brethren, but he was uh, quite unwilling to come at this time. However, he will come when he has a convenient time. So this was they were asking about Apollos. And you go into 2 Corinthians, and it goes deeper into Apollos, because there was actually a division in the church. Should we follow Paulus or should we follow Paul? And he says, um, I planted, Paulus watered, but it's Christ or God that gives the increase, right? See, it's all these, it's just, it's the same as it is today. We have all these schisms and divisions and things that are of, our, of, our, of, that are of the flesh, right? And so this church was having these, all these questions, and Paul was writing to the Corinthian church answering these questions. Right? And, and that's what Paul was doing. He was responding to their questions, and that's the case in this Scripture. Paul never said women must remain silent. The Corinthians did. This passage is Paul quoting back to them what they previously written to him. Paul was quoting them. It should have brackets on it because he's quoting them. He repeats that the Greek, he repeats the Greek and Jewish law that says before, that says before, before he, he, he repeats the Greek and Jewish law and what that says before he gives his response. Now what was his response, right? So let's read it again. Here's his answer. 
in 1 Corinthians 14, 34 through 40, uh, 35. Let your women keep silent in the churches, for it is not permitted unto the, to them to speak, but they are commanded to be under the obedience as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for a woman to speak in church. Here's his answer. You ready? What? Say it with me. What? No, you didn't say it right. What? What? Came the word of God from you? Or came it unto you only? He says, what? And, and the problem is, you know, I'm not a King James only guy, right? We, we like lots of different versions of the Bible. We use lots of different versions of the Bible. But unfortunately, a lot of the modern translations admit that word what? Whenever you're studying a hard scripture, you should always go back to the King James in a word-for-word translation. He says, what? Unfortunately, he can't believe what he's hearing. Paul can't believe what he's hearing. I appreciate that. Thank you. And you shouldn't either. When you hear this garbage taught, you should say, what? It gets a little better. Paul was totally opposed to the idea of women staying silent. And he wanted the Corinthians to know it. He not only says what, he, said, he, he says, came the word of God out from you? What's he saying? He says, you're not the author of the word of God. Who is the author of the word of God? God. So who gets to say, who gets to speak his words? God. Or came it unto you only. So are they the sole proprietors of truth are they the only ones that God is speaking to no and he goes on in the very next verse if any man thinks he's a prophet or spiritual let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commands of the Lord but if any man be ignorant let him be ignorant how do we miss this Paul writes, writes to them on this, uh, on this subject and he gives a command of the Lord. Not the laws and the philosophies of the Jews and the Greeks. He says, you're quoting the law? I'll give you a law. And this law came from the Lord. And if you disagree, you're an ignorant buffoon. That's my paraphrase. Can you imagine being in that Corinthian church when this letter is being read? When this letter is being read and those, those that thought women should remain silent, you know, they'd kind of be shuffling in their, in their seat, and the women would have erupted. They would have erupted. They've been shouting for joy. Do you think they kept silent that day? I think not. And then Paul, to wrap it all up, Paul reminds the Corinthians of what he has already told them. The very next scripture after all that. 
Wherefore, brethren, and brethren is what? All believers. Covet to prophecy and forbid not to speak with tongues. Let all things be done decently and in order. See, we need to understand, and we not, not only need to understand, but we need to celebrate every part of the body of Christ. We cannot say, the hand cannot say to the foot, I have no need of you. Whether it's male, whether it's female, whether it's young, whether it's old, we are all needed, we are vital in the body of Christ. And seeing that no believer is excluded from the priesthood of all believers, all should be encouraged to participate in a way that is edifying to the church. Should women be forbidden to speak in church as some still say? What? Far from it, right? Paul encouraged women to speak, prophesy, sing, speak in tongues, and do whatever is proper and fitting so the whole church might be built up. God is not the God of confusion. And it's very confusing to tell women they can participate in the life of the church, but they must remain silent. Thank God the Bible never tells us they must. Amen? Amen. So this brings us to another question. But does this mean that women can preach? Does this mean that women can teach from a pulpit? We'll find out next week. Amen? Amen. It's, it's, it's so good. The gospel is so good. It's so liberating. It's so freeing. And it gives you a clearer and clearer picture of our Heavenly Father. It gives you a picture of what God intended for the human race. And listen, church, if we don't line up with the kingdom of God, the world will never see what God intended. Amen? Heavenly Father, we just thank You. We thank You for freedom. We thank You for our women in the body of Christ. We thank You that Holy Spirit is stirring within them, inflaming the fire, those things that they kept silent, those things that they kept down, those things that kept them from moving forward in the callings that You put on their life, that they would hear the chains fall to the ground and they would step out with the boldness of a lioness and they would speak the Word without compromise. We thank You, Holy Spirit, what You're going to do in this church and the churches universal around the world as women take their place and speak the Word of God with boldness. They operate in truth and love and signs and wonders. And we will not be able to hold them back. Father, we love our women. They are part of our body. And we celebrate them. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karisntc.org. And remember, you are deeply loved, highly favored, and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.